to me, it's about really forming an emotional connection with people. And that's my dream. All I've ever wanted is to be in a band. And it's mostly musical because I enjoy writing songs and playing music. But really what I want is to not be alone and not be lonely. And I want a right. little tribe of right. people around me that I right. want, want to fight the, the, the ills of the world off with. Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together. Let's welcome our guest today, Curious Creatures, Josh Klinghoffer. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you. So, where where are you, Josh, at the moment? In in LA? Yeah, I'm in Pasadena. Oh, in Pasadena. Okay. Because uh, you're in. Where are you? I'm on the west side. I'm on the west side. I'm down by Venice and stuff. And Budgie, you're. I'm in Berlin. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm d- I'm down the southwest side. Right. I'll be there in a couple of weeks, actually. You coming through here? Yeah. I'm not sure exactly which date, but I I think it's the second show on the tour I'm about to to embark on. You're touring with? With Pearl Jam. With Pearl Jam. Yeah. I mean, I I think I saw you at the Ahana Festival. Last year. Last year, yeah. Yeah. I played the two successive uh, Ohana Festivals, and it was very strange. It was deja vu because I would play with the Chili Peppers in 2019, and then the world shut down for a bit, and then the next time there was an Ohana Festival, I played... With a different band, but also in the headlining slot, with you know, with different people around, it's very strange. You you also hold some kind of the, it's the accolade for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But you're inducted as I think the youngest inductee. Yeah, you know, I was just informed a week ago that that slightly dubious honor has been stolen from me. Not stolen, but it, I, oh. I've been usurped by. Uh, by the guy who has played drums for Nine Inch Nails for a long time. And he he, uh, he started with them, Elon, he's called. And he started yes. with them when he was quite young. And he's now, uh, after pl- playing with them for 10 years, he's in the Hall of Fame. And so he was 31 Ooh. at the time, where, where I was 32. And I, you know, I, it was kind of a farcical that I was in it at all because I just happened to be a current member of the Chili Peppers. I certainly didn't. I wasn't on the journey with them while they were, you know, having this whatever Hall of Fame career is. Uh, but, right. but um, you know, I guess it, for something so sort of funny, um, the fact that I had I had usurped Stevie Wonder was kind of this, yeah. you know, it, it was a talking point, if nothing else. And now I got nothing <laughs> except, I guess, membership to the Hall of Fame that I don't feel I deserve. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. I mean, I feel in a small way. Maybe I had a little hand in that because uh, when when the Cure were inducted a couple of years ago, 2019, um, we we were asked, well, who would we like to, you know, induct us? Who would we like to do the speech? And I suggested Trent, and I think several other people did. So we got Trent Reznor to come and you know uh, give us our awards, and 
then I think they got in next year. And and I'm pretty certain, because you'll know this, you get a little ballot through and you, you get the chance to vote. And I'm sure that I voted for Trent, of course. And and so, you know, by me putting him in and his band, you know, I, I've taken the... I, I apologize. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Well, I, but if you if you watch the Chili Peppers uh, when they were inducted, which I believe was 2012... So that's why, I mean, I spent 10 years in the band. So at this point, you know, I, I, I feel like I was a proper member. But at the time, I was fairly new. Um, and The Cure, who have always been one of my favorite bands, were up on the ballot as well. And you right. got, and so if you watch my performance, I'm wearing a Cure shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, in a sort of, in a sort of protest. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, oh, had, I wore it under my, uh, like I wore it, it's perfectly visual. I actually borrowed it because it was a head on the door shirt and I, I didn't have one and I always coveted my friends and I was planning on wearing it at the at the Hall of Fame and then not giving it back. But he, he asked for it back. Well, that's very, um, that's very noble of you. That's a funny thing. Though. I want, I'm going to start to come in to, uh, with, you were saying you played in the Chili Peppers for 10 years and um, so you felt like you were a proper member rather than the new boy. How long? Because I, I think that's one thing we, you and I share in common is we've played in many bands. I've not played in that many. You've, you've played in bands of a very uh, high stature. You joined uh, the Chili Peppers, well-established, I think, right? Um, but So how long were you the new boy? And what's it like being the new boy? <laughs> well, I think in a sense I was always that, you know, the entire time. Uh, yeah, that's what but, I was but getting I, at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly was. I mean, whether I, I could have been in the band for 30 years and I'd still be 18 years younger than those guys. So, you know, right. they were perfectly, right. you know, welcoming and gracious. I never, <clears throat> I never felt like a second class citizen or anything. I just, um, you know, you can't help but, but feel that um, you are arriving a bit late to party. It's funny because you, you say that uh, Jason Cooper, who's a lovely man, plays drums for The Cure. Now, he's played drums for them for longer than I did, but people still think of him as the new boy. The new yeah, boy. yeah, yeah. Do you think, what, what's it been like, like Josh? I like, mean, you know, Jumping in, uh, first of all, on the on the on the the tailcoat of John Frusciante, you know, who I, th I believe is a, a very dear friend. Uh, well, he was. I actually, I, he and I haven't really had a friendship um, in ten years or more. Actually, that more like twelve. Once I joined the band, we sort of parted ways. You know, not in a truly acrimonious way, but more just because I think it was hard to. Uh, maintain the friendship when he was sort of trying to distance himself from the band and I was trying to distance myself from his legacy in the band at the time so I could try and establish my own. But um, yeah. I, it's funny, I actually listened to some of his solo music uh, that I played drums on bef uh, an hour, you know, in the last hour, I listened to a couple of songs because I started as a drummer, which you may have been told, or I'm not sure. I, that was yeah. my first instrument. So I was trying to make a connection with some of the recorded proof of that. And um, I hadn't really allowed myself to listen to some of those records that I did with John for, you know, almost a decade, just because it was, it was kind of sad for me. Because, um, because as I say, we didn't really have a relationship anymore. But, um, hmm. but yeah, I mean, it was certainly, it was the craziest thing 
I could ever have been asked to do to fill that spot in a band like that, especially at that time. I wasn't really focusing on the guitar at all. I was playing lots of piano and lots of um, and, and like you know learning the modular synthesizer and kind of doing that right. sort of thing. And when when he left the band and it was you know proposed to me to to do that, I, I my first thought was, oh, there's no way I can do this. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was a, it was an emotional ride the whole time because when I first when I first began, obviously, in, at, born of the ashes of our friendship um, at the time, I it took me a while to feel comfortable in that position, and I really I. I sort of geared my creative impulses, or I sort of, I almost put myself under these rules about what kind of chord progressions I could write, and I was just desperately trying to establish my own sound, at least as a writer in that band, uh, the first time right. around. I kind of, I kind of promised myself I wouldn't write anything that even remotely sounded like something he would write, and I think I probably okay. went above and you know too far with that because at the end of the day it is still them and that is still kind of what people want but i think i was just trying desperately to create my own wow. space i can empathize though with this because you know susie and the banshees had many guitarists all know, called john all, by the way. all called john right and they had a similar thing because of course um there was only when i joined there were two albums and mm. i just had like two albums worth of drumming to kind of take on board and try and impose your own character in there without taking too much away but trying to add something and then that seemed to be after the third album i was kind of established but the the johns the guitarists were always had the weight of and like four five six how many albums did you have to take on board um uh i think i came aboard on they had done about uh i want to nine maybe oh good lord uh, and I, they didn't play uh loads from the first three i'd say um as much as i always kind of want, wish they did that was just sort of off limits to a degree um those those records which i think is kind of a an important place to start from when you're playing in that band or for those guys playing music. And I, and I, I heard that when John first returned to the band this time around, they mm. spent uh, uh, at least a week or two just playing those old three, first three albums that John's not even a part of. They were, but they were the first things that he played um, obviously when he took over for the original guitar player, um, Hillel Slovak. And yeah, I just kind of regretted not spending time with them doing that when i joined with them we jumped right into songwriting we barely had established a a connection musically at all it was just sort of all right let's go right which was amazing in its own way that you could just sort of hit the ground running and then for whatever reason they trusted me enough to kind of start that way but you know now in hindsight i lament really uh kind of just not really diving into the core of what made that group that group Who was your um, who was your guiding hand into the Chili Peppers? Uh, you walked into the room. There was like you know three statuesque, uh, iconic figures there in the room. You know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, who the, the funny thing was that I was sort of a little pissant in their in their wake. You know, for the last 
decade prior to when I started playing, I was just this little uh, little guy in the, on the always around. Mm-hmm. When I when I first showed up, it was almost like, I mean, it was I I always thought how see you know it's such a strange situation. It's a strange situation in general to to replace someone like John for for a period and just sort of start anew with someone at that point in their career. But in on the flip side, I was so. I was so well versed in the the machine that was the Chili Peppers. I knew how everything went. I knew where the tea kettle was in the dressing room. I knew where the socks were. <laughs> you know, I, I just I, I had toured with them as well as a back a second guitar player at a certain period in sort of '07 when they were finishing that particular tour cycle and they made a double album and they couldn't really play some of the songs on it because there were lots of guitar overdubs that John mm-hmm. couldn't do all of. So I sort of jumped on board. Uh, the last six months or so of that tour, and um, yeah, so I mean, I just was kind of, I was kind of deep in their world for a while. It sounds sounds like a little like when Bernard Butler left Suede, and the guy who took over, Richard o- Oaks. Yeah, like almost identical. Yeah, I was really into that record that Suede put out in sort of '96, and I remember seeing him at the time and I knew the story I mean and it reminded me kind of of John joining the Chili Peppers after Hillel and then it reminded me of me joining the Chili Peppers after John <laughs> I mean you could yeah. tell the guy was enormously influenced by Bernard Butler yeah. and yeah. and he knew he knew the suede songs really well and it sounded great when they played songs from the the previous two albums and 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 I really liked that coming up record I I mean it it just came out at a particular time when I was all about bands like that and and I I loved it I saw them here at El Rey yeah it's 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 a strange thing when I don't know when people they they form something it's on the cusp it's about to go really huge and then they kind of they they pull apart a strange thing must have been strange for um for Bernard Butler to to just to hear the just the band just continue and and onto greater things, and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Curse like shouldn't have been so damn influential. Shouldn't have been so great and inspiring. Have you lived anywhere outside of of LA? No, it's a, no, it's a funny story. I, I have these. If you, I don't know if you can see. I've got the squirrels. They're dying for some food outside. You see? Them? Oh, I love squirrels. <laughs> um, the, um, yeah, I haven't lived anywhere else, and I guess the only reason I've allowed myself to um, keep that as my life is that I've done a fair amount of touring. So, um, right, I was so close to leaving LA because I grew up hating it here. I didn't like the sun. I didn't like the, the people I felt were just, um, I don't know. I was just a pretentious young child, I guess, who was always dreaming of, of it being better and more, there was higher intelligence and better dressed people on the East coast or in Europe even more. So my whole family's from the East coast. So we went back there quite a bit and I just always was mad at my parents for moving to california (laughs) so i I was i was over it i was done i was gonna leave and i i remember that i was on the phone with companies to van you know rental companies and trying to find some company that would allow me to do a one-way rental so can i return on the east coast and i was having a really hard time doing that finding that and the way i remember it is on my mobile phone where i was on a landline mobile phone rang and it was my still dear friend steve mcdonald from the band red cross 
Right. And he and he was calling to to invite me or to ask if I would go on tour with him in the band Sparks. Right. And yes. and I and I so I was sort of like van company and tour with Sparks and I hung up. <laughs> you know, on, on this in the, on this hand, I was about to leave LA and just move to my aunt and uncle's guest house to sort of figure out from where to go go from there. And then on the other hand, I thought, oh, a three-week tour with Sparks, sort of playing rhythm guitar, not too much responsibility, just like, really, I know a lot of these songs anyway. Oh, great, tour with Steve again, because he and I played in Beck. Oh, this is nothing but fun. We're going to go to, it's the winter, it was February, and we're going to go to Russia and Sweden and all these cold places. I loved it. And, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, and from that decision with two phones in the in each hand i um one thing literally kind of led to the next to where i am today because it was it was that sparks tour and getting involved in that which then put me backstage at a uh at a gnarls barkley gig because we were done a one night layover on our way to russia again where I agreed to play keyboards with Gnarls Barkley backstage, drunk at that at that show. <laughs> I woke up the <laughs> next wondering. morning going, "What? What did I say oh, I would do?" Yeah. Shit. Um, so that was that. That led to keyboards with Gnarls Barkley for a while, and then uh, that band opened for the Chili Peppers, which then led to me, who I already knew and was friendly with. That led to me taking a trip with them to Mexico at the end of their tour to to play one more gig down there or on the way home from which I was invited to go on the rest of their tour. And and after that, you know, like, so it's like one thing led to another, which put me in the Chili Peppers, which put me where I am here. You know, it's amazing how all those little connections and then they, they join up. I think for all of us as musicians, it's that, it's not like being a sailor. It's sort of a little wanderlust, you know. We've got to, we've got to go and explore. On that, I always remember the finish of every tour. I always used to think, wonder what it'd be like to live here. Did you ever like end of the tour, just stay on for a few days, weeks? I, I or were you eager to get back? I think maybe I was always eager to get back, or had to get back for some other bit of. Yeah. You know, work or something but yeah i i i envision disappearing into these amazing places i i i'm i find myself all the time it's, it's wonderful so bringing it to nowadays mm. you have a new project out right uh, plural one yeah. yeah my 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 childhood dream was always to have my own band you know and that was one of the reasons i hated or as a as a, as a youth i i didn't like la so much because i found especially the San Fernando Valley where I was from. I just found like there was, there was no one to play with. There was no one who had right. an expansive interest in music outside, you know, what the radio was playing. And no one was really that interesting musically. Luckily, luckily, I fell in with some older people and started playing outside of my hometown when I was 17. And um, my life sort of went on from there. But... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my dream was always to have a band, and I just, I like collaborating with people. But at the time, I was a drummer when I was first, you know, forming these these dreams. So as I became more of a guitarist or a songwriter, which took me a long time to actually have enough time to really work on, yeah, I just sort of 
I never really had the chance to see that dream through because I was playing with all the people I mentioned earlier in my 20s. And finally, at a certain point, uh, I started to really feel like, you know, my 20s were almost over. And I, 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 I had the greatest experiences playing music, but I was not terribly satisfied. And I think that was just because I had never given any real time to my own work. So long, long story short, hopefully I, I formed, I was able to form a band with some guys uh, that I met on the Gnarl Sparkly tour and some other people, a couple other people. And that turned into a group I had called Dot Hacker. And we, we were writing songs, getting ready to make a record. And then I joined the Chili Peppers. So that band became kind of a back burner thing, but I was able to keep it together and we still were able to make three albums but we were never able to be a band because now I was my time was incredibly booked I was very <laughs> spoken for but um after the third dot hacker album it just seemed like no one was really interested in pursuing that any longer but I never stop writing and I never want to stop making music so the minute there's a hole in chili peppers schedule I'm in, in there recording and making a record and at some point I I just figured well I'm just doing this one myself because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the one to call those guys this time no one seems like they I'm always the one picking up the phone so I'll just do this one myself and that became the first Plural One album. And, and I, I was basically finished with the album when I realized I have to give it, to, give it a name. And I, re I remembered that name from when I tried to name Dot Hacker that and they all laughed at me. And I should have taken that as a sign, but um, <laughs> I just really didn't have anything else to call it. And in a sort of, you know, kind of like hippie passing the joint around way, I really liked the concept of it. I mean, I felt like everything from the fact that when you look at the one word, you could see a plurality of things in it, including the word alone, and people still say plural alone all the time. I, I just, I like wow. the, I like the idea of, you know, life being some struggle between singularity and plurality and, you know, and it's like you, it's like you, Josh, you're, you're many, many different characters. And in a way, you came out and you exploded in all these different directions until you found this kind of Campbell's condensed version. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, hopefully, no, I, I hope so. I mean, I still feel like I, I'm very much working on where where to go musically. I feel like my first three albums have been, you know, like a good starting point. Um, that that first one, as I said, I was doing still while I was in the Chili Peppers, so it was sort of, sort of like get it done. You know, I started recorded half of it and then the chili peppers did a bit of work then we had some time off so i finished in the next break um but i was still in the band so i just assumed that it would slide out and no one would hear it's it it's just these it's these damned international uh, superstar bands that keep demanding you so you could just like tell them leave me alone already <laughs> lucky enough for lucky enough for me three weeks after i put out that first plural one album they fired me <laughs> I had eight days of sort of thinking, oh, well, what do I do now? I mean, I guess it's finally time to step up and and not be, you know, hiding behind this other entity that I'm a part of. So yeah, that was the plan. And then and then I got a call from Eddie from Pearl Jam, and he invited me to go on their next tour. But he was also inviting me to open, so it wasn't the same yeah. as usual, where I was just basically 
spending all my time working for for another project, it, I was I was able to pursue my own creative <laughs> outlet and play with them. And they were a very important band to me when I was sort of 11, 12, 13, 14. Amazing. Um, and, so uh, Eddie Vedder calls you up and says, will you open for us? And by the way, will you join the band? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much join the band. It was, will you join us as a an extra helping hand? Um, right. The, but uh, but yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I'm I'm, I'm in their band for this tour and That's for amazing. the foreseeable future. And I mean that because of the the pandemic, we've we we got together in March of 2020, and I had one album to my name, and I was gonna I was about to open with the most ridiculous, unreliable, harebrained rig you could ever imagine with tons of looping <laughs> capabilities none of which linked up or synced up and i was about yeah. to embarrass myself all over north america and the, the that got canceled so then you know during the pandemic because i had been sort of jumping all over the globe for the last 20 years sort of i actually quite enjoyed for once having nothing but free time to work so i i'm i quickly made another album which came out the following you know less than a year after the first one i made a record with eddie vetter last year and and morrissey i was uh, that morrissey album that's not out yet um all all with this producer here in la called andrew watt yeah um so yeah for me i was able to basically make a record whilst doing all these other things. And Pearl Jam finally went on tour, and that's, that's <laughs> where we are. And now I'm talking to two of my, my favorite musicians. Well, thank you. And it's June already. <laughs> and and what, what a beautiful experience it's been. Oh, my yeah. goodness. All you've yeah. got to do now is just hope that the telephone stops ringing long yeah. enough for you to... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Do you ever get a, a call from somebody and you think, no, it can't be them? Why are they calling me? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's happened, yeah. I've got a story with about uh, about my, my old partner, Robert, when it was David Bowie's 50th birthday. And uh, so, you know... Robert's sitting at home one night and he told me this story. He he, he called the phone rings and you know Robert doesn't talk on the phone very much, you know, so he's like he surprised that the phone's ringing, picks it up and it's like, <laughs> Hey, uh hi Robert, it's it's David Bowie here and he thinks somebody's playing a joke on me and utters an expletive and and throws the phone down. And then about 10 minutes later, the phone rings again, and he picks it up and he goes, no, no, it, actually, Robert, it really is me. And uh, I want to know if you come and sing on my, my 50th <laughs> birthday concert. And he said, I was mortified, you know, it was like, oh my God. Let me, let me, it's, it, it, it's a wonderful, um, lots of wonderful stories. Um, and that's what we, we, we love trying to dig out. But um, yeah. It's like you've lived a life in reverse, really. You've joined all the major bands and, and <laughs> desperately trying to get you. Now you're doing your thing, which is great. You know? I'm just I'm just really trying to get into that little van. <laughs> but but you, you yeah. mentioned earlier what you said. You said something about the chemistry was right, and I'm just wondering it's been so easy to talk i i knew it would be easy because somehow um that this is part of why i suppose you, you could you could look at your story and go born with a silver spoon in your mouth and just like happen to be in the right place at the right time always but what do you put it down to you know you were saying chemistry 
what do you what 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 goes through your mind as you, when you join up with these people and well I, i've been i've been asked that a couple of times recently and i sort of it's a it's an amazing question it's it's and it's maybe something that i had never really considered uh because it just it's keep, it keeps happening that i i wind up playing with people that that are long established and you know that i looked up to and i was influenced by right. but i think um maybe a perfect combination of shyness uh, and being young but also being lucky enough to i mean because I, i would i would generally consider myself not the most confident person but in a, in a lot of other ways i have always had a confidence in my mind right. I, i think a combination of being self self-assured in the way i think about the world when dropped into a situation with these older and and incredibly creative and inspirational musicians and and artists i i just i am in the perfect place to sort of support them and learn from them and and i'm honored to be there period and you know and i think from a it's sort of i mean it's almost, i mean because I, i i always used to joke about this because i'm sure there's loads of musicians around who look at me and watch me play and go the fuck is this guy have i you know fucking, and and i think it's it's sort of, everywhere it's yeah and i'm sure they hate me and it's music music aside i mean i think early on i it's to me it's about really forming an emotional connection with people and that's my oh. dream all i've ever wanted is to be in a band and it's mostly musical because i enjoy writing songs and playing music but really what i want is to not be alone and not be lonely and i want a right. little tribe of right. people around me that i right. want want to fight the 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 ills of the world off with and you know and i think yeah. when you're younger you really do have that youthful energy and you do feel like you you can make the world a different better place in some way and you know i think i've been lucky that i still you know i mean look at how i dress i mean i'm basically a child i look the same as i did when i was 20 more or less and um i just uh so i think when you know when meeting these people or or walking to a room with these incredible artists i i just i do my best and it's it's a natural it's natural it's, there's nothing forced or or insincere i just really try and be there emotionally uh and yeah. and and be, yeah. become their become their friend and and that's yeah. and it's and it's happened now in so in different situations that i finally realized that it's i mean you know i used to look at the wall when i was a kid and all the people that i would pin up on my wall i would i would say it, it was rather than saying like oh i want to play with them it was more i i just want to be their friend i mean i want oh and you know so that's I, beautiful yeah, yeah i mean and you know hopefully hopefully we're all friends now i, I there was yeah. one time i have a funny story there was one time um I have uh through my network of East Side spies and informers I I it happened twice I think I someone surreptitiously snapped a picture <laughs> of you two eating at Kitchen Mouse and you know I I got these texts with these pictures like look what's going on here and I was and I, I live five minutes from there so I was about to come over I didn't because I thought that'd be too stalkery but I I'm friendly with the people that have that restaurant and and who opened it oh, and uh, wow. so it, it it makes perfect sense that they'd be there but uh, there was two times where I had to fight the urge to uh yeah. to turn up next and sit down next to you and go 
Excuse me. Yeah, but I would never I would never do that. I don't have the confidence for but that. But you would never do that. You would just no, you would I'll wait till I'm on your podcast. <laughs> You hit a very good point there about the whole emotional connection because me and Budgie identify with that completely because in the end of the day, you know, uh, the business of music can make it seem as though it's like, okay, well, you get this person, you get that person, you put this in and that makes a band. And we all know that's nonsense. You know, the best bands come from that emotional connection because without that, how can you do something creative together? You can't be vulnerable enough to let, that happened. I, I, I can, I, I can guarantee that all the people you've worked with, what you, what you just, how you explained why yeah. you were there and how you were welcomed in, is because yeah. that's what they get from you. I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, and it's a subconscious thing as well. You know, people always ask, "Who's your favourite drummer?" And quite often it was either Ringo Starr. Or John Bonham, but when I thought about John Bonham, it wasn't like to copy, you know, when the levee breaks or right. rock. It was I wanted to meet him and, and like go, "How you doing, John? How's it going?" Yeah. Like not in a kind of "I'm with John Bonham." It's more like a kind of, "How is it? You know, is it okay? Is things okay?" Did you want to meet Ginger Baker though? Um, well, I thought it, when in his early days, I I would have been, yeah, yeah, his early days, yeah. Later on, maybe not. You know, but you'd have to you'd have to duck. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you walk into a room and you, without trying, try. You can see who's okay, who's nervous, who's not yeah. sure. And I, like you, feel probably the least secure in, in many ways. Um, I used to be very shy in school, but and here I am, I'd, and I still can't envisage myself walking onto a stage. But that's what I did, and that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's the same thing has been said about me. I, I I was the shyest, you know. I remember having a sort of pep talk with myself at around seventeen, just just thinking, uh, you can't keep going like this, you know. This is not because just opportunities would arise, or you know, a moment in a conversation would would present itself, and I'd have something to interject, or and I just wouldn't do it. And I just thought. Well, you know, you, you, I just I looked into the future and I said, "What are you going to be doing this for in your thirties or in your forties? I mean, because that that's not a life to live. So you have to. I mean, it made me sort of just really, I guess, examine whether those things I wanted to say were worthwhile. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's funny to imagine myself in that place now because I still feel very much the same person. But I guess it. It was around that time that I just started thinking because there were things that would come up musically, and I think you could you could say the Chili Peppers was even that. Someone asked me to do something, and my instinct was, I can't do that. Oh no way! I mean, I'll be laughed out of the room. I mean, there, I, and I would start instantly comparing myself to the person I'm either playing with or playing in the place of or whatever. And then, you know, what what kind of life is that? I mean, are you gonna what are you gonna do tomorrow if you don't do it? And I think at some <laughs> point, I, I constantly. I, I had enough courage or drive to just take the chance. And, you know, it, it on many occasions it worked out pretty well. And I, I think, you no, know, because no, uh, uh, like I said, it's not music, really. It's no matter what you can accomplish musically or technically, it's who you are and what you, yeah. how you, how you, yeah. how you 
elevate a, a situation or bring or what what you do to a, right. a room or a band and it's it's also that you have to love yourself before you can give love to the world or any any kind of connection with that you know if you don't love yourself if you don't think oh i, I could probably do that and i mean by love i don't mean in an egotistical way i mean in a in, in a giving way and without doing that not much else is going to happen because people can't read your mind. You know, I used to sit there and think, why can't people understand what I'm thinking? Well, yeah. they can't. No, I, I, I mean, that's like a topic that I still am going over three times a week with a paid professional. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it, 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 blow, it blows my mind that people can't, if they know me at all, like, how, how do you not know what I, what I expect and what I want, what I desire at all times. Josh, is, is there still a, a little bit of the, uh, you know, that little voice in the head that goes like, I, 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 what me? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and it's also for the same for this the, the the one of the most difficult things about it at, at, because I'm, you know, I'm 20 plus almost 30 years into this journey is that at times I mean it, it, it's like, lol what you just said I mean about self love and about respecting yourself enough I mean because I what I said before that about I always had enough of a belief in myself and just the way I looked at the world even though I felt like a gross ugly little nothing I still in I still I still enjoyed the way I saw the world or saw a situation in rather than the way this person did or this person did and I felt like that was important I, the scariest thing I think at the same time and what I think people also have to be very strong to accept about themselves is, I mean, I live a life now, especially where I, I mean, I get to talk to you guys. I get to make music with people that I had on my wall as a kid. I've played in this country. I've played this instrument here. I've done this. And, and it's just really a strange thing to have accomplished all these dreams that I had. And, you know, when, I still feel like there's many parts of my my creative life that haven't even been explored yet. And I think your habits and your your the way your mind is wired, perhaps because of whatever trauma you may have had, I still sink into these patterns of incredible self doubt and self loathing. And I just feel like, oh my god, it's it is truly because you suck. And, be, and and I feel like that'll never stop for a lot of us or for a lot of people. It'll happen like that forever. But as long as you can do enough work to get to a point where you could recognize that you've been able to create a, a good life for yourself. Right. And that means that doesn't mean you have to play music with this person or that kind of, I mean, everyone can do this, I think. And you, you get to have a life worth living. You know, that's what you've created. That's the most important thing. And it's not about yeah. the things that I still tell myself I'm a failure because I've, I've never made a record that sounds like, you know, you guys or, or sounds like something that you would throw on. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just are the things you tell yourself. But I have, I, I do live a life at this point that I'm proud of, you know, and I, and I think, yeah, I think um, it's 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 all uh, it, it's just all it's all still a shock to me every day that I that I just said that out loud to you two.
been lovely talking to you. Absolutely, any 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 time. Thank you. It's been it's been really really nice. We've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing Margie Taylor. Art and logo design Justin Thomas K. Music production Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.